The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, August 16th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, nurse practitioner, Wendy Nielsen. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. Wendy, how long have you been in the nursing field? I graduated in 1985 with my RN, and I graduated in uh, 2006 from graduate school in family practice. So have you seen kids and other folks change over the years insofar as their health status or their ability to function well? Yes, I'd have to say in the last 30 years there's been an epidemic um, in metabolic problems. The rate of what I call diabetes or obesity and diabetes has almost doubled in this country as well as uh, learning disabilities and spectrum disorders being diagnosed much more uh, prominently than ever has been before. Okay, now, I think we need to make a distinction. When we say spectrum disorders being diagnosed, does that mean we're just better at diagnosis or that there's a true increase? Perhaps. Probably it's a, a better identification, perhaps more screening is being done, so we're actually seeing this, whereas before it was dismissed as something else. I don't remember a lot of kids with um, attention deficit problems when I went to school, like when I was in elementary school or junior high. Um, I don't remember a lot of that. Do you remember a lot of that? Maybe isolated cases, uh, but not to the degree that we're seeing nowadays. Yeah, we had like one classroom that had maybe five kids with challenges in it instead of 50% of the school or something with overwhelmed school systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like how you put those words together, diabetes and uh, obesity, and we're going to be talking about uh, the endocrine system and endocrine problems in this program. is that just a function of overeating or eating too much sugar, or is there something else going on? I know you mentioned metabolics. It's a, a, a multi-pronged problem. Um, when I was growing up, uh, since we're speaking of yesteryear, uh, we played football or kickball until the lights went out, and then we ran in and did our homework. Now we have a more sedentary lifestyle with children playing video games and not going outside as much. That accompanied with our proliferation of fast food 
and uh, toxic chemicals in all of our processed foods. Um, as we know, the um, organic industry is uh, a niche market in our food supply and not the norm as it used to be 50 years ago. So uh, I think that it's a combination of problems, but basically portion size has a lot to do with it. If you look at um, what used to be a, a serving size 30, 40 years ago, it's more than doubled um, the oversizing of the portions has, has been a huge problem contributing now, to that. Wendy, you mentioned the toxins in foods. If we ingest toxins in our foods, what does that do to our body and to our ability to actually process those foods? That's a very good question, Terry. Um, all, basically all chronic disease is based on inflammation in the body. And when I, I know that's a, uh, a huge statement to make, but it's based on research that has come out in the last 15 years. Um, it used to be thought that atherosclerosis caused heart attacks. We know now that it's endothelial dysfunction, or in other words, inflammation in the vessels that is the basis of the problem. And that is true of almost all chronic uh, disease, as I said, cancer, um, heart disease, hypertension, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, inflammation is based on uh, oxygenation deficit in the body, and that is caused also by toxin ingestion and deposition of toxins in the fat tissue, which then get flooded with fluid to protect the visceral organs or the vital organs from the toxins uh, in the system. Right, good. That's a really good definition. I, I find that when I follow a natural regimen to detoxify, I'm actually able to lose weight better. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some relationship there between the toxins and weight gain, and I like how you brought out um, the facts about the cells in our body, uh, you know, getting fatter and um, more bloated, you know, to protect the rest of our body. They're kind of sequestering those toxins. Exactly. A big uh, issue in alkalinity and how your body gets to be so acid, and then you you can't get the acid and the toxins out of those cells unless you're um, eating a, a healthy green organic diet and um, alkaline diet and uh, taking some supplements to enhance alkalinity. Most definitely, um, there is a uh, uh, a doctor. Um, Dr. Robert Young years ago that uh, is a microbiologist actually that established a series of books and a talk show I think that uh, addresses alkalinity in, in a big way um, in regards to our body is, is, is if you will a fish tank and if we pollute it you can't just do a partial water change you need to change the the flora, and uh, you need to change the entire system so that you can have healthy fish in there again. Um, the, the pH of our bodies is directly affected by the amount of acid food that we eat, and one little avocado is not going to uh, make up for the six-pack of Coca-Cola that we might drink. It takes about eight parts of alkalinity to balance one part of acid uh, intake, and so we, we're already behind the eight ball if we're taking in toxins that we know are going to be acidifying. 
Okay, Wendy, how did you know what my diet was? <laughs> okay, so you mean I'm not getting it quite right having the slice of avocado on the the lip of the the glass of Coke? <laughs> All right, I'll have to put eight more slices there. Okay. <laughs> so let's look at the holistic model. What does holistic health mean and uh, the holistic health model, and how do you apply it? Well, holistic medicine is basically a system of of healthcare that that looks at the whole person. It includes the physical, the nutritional, environmental, the emotional, the social, the spiritual, and the lifestyle in general. It doesn't look at one particular piece of the puzzle. It tries to look at the whole the whole puzzle so that we can get an accurate picture of how to uh, assess a person's health status. You know, I read something in, you know, one of the novels I read a long time ago, and a person, there was a person in the book who was an angry person, and somebody else said, must be a liver complaint. What does something, and I know that uh, Chinese medicine believes in meridians and, and things, what does one part of the body have to do with the other? How are our emotions tied in with toxicity or what have you? Well, that's an excellent question, and as we know, Eastern medicine has a lot to contribute to our Western allopathic way of thinking, where we partition off one part and as opposed to the rest. But quite truthfully, as you suggested, nothing in our body is independent from the rest. Um, there, we do have we we are an integrated whole, and that's the reason why. Uh, disciplines such as reflexology and uh, chakras and Reiki uh, uh, proliferate because of the fact that we have a an ad- addressing the whole system. Um, emotions are affected by who we are, what we think, how we eat, how we interact with our environment, how we interact with ourselves, how we interact with other people. Um, self-talk is very important so that we can generate light and give light, receive light, and therefore um, have a, a whole, whole uh, integrated body. Um, when we have a, an issue, for instance, with headaches, um, headaches are oftentimes accompanied by um, gastritis um, or indigestion, heartburn which also is accompanied by low back pain. Um, those are constellations of symptoms of possibly of adrenal gland fatigue. Not to say that I wouldn't rule out that a person has an injury to their neck, but I try to look at the whole person and ask, what's happening in your life? Are you getting proper sleep? Are you able to have some time to exercise? Do you have any alone time? How's your nutrition? Do you rush out the door without anything to eat in the morning? Those kind of things are just as important as the lab tests that you might order or the x-ray. Okay, and so a good way to take care of this fatigue from your lifestyle would not be to, you know, drink a bunch of caffeinated cola um, or, you know, mask it with with a pill. Correct. Uh, that has been part of the problem of our society um, because we live very, very busy, stressful lives and we're trying to always put 20 pounds of potatoes into a 10-pound bag. Um, but if we don't live in balance, 
then our bodies will pay the price. And that price oftentimes is something that doesn't catch up with us for another 10 or perhaps 20 years. So we ought to try to take the advice of my son asked me when I was in grad school years ago when I was quite stressed out, Mom, if you knew that you were going to pass, off, pass away in six months, why, how would you change your life? What would you be doing differently? Well, my answer was immediate. Well, of course I would be meditating next to my waterfall. I would be writing poetry. I would be planting in my garden. I would be whatever. And he said, well, those are the things that need to be happening now. All right. Well, I think that that's a, a good uh, point to let people ponder on during the break. And when we come back, we will talk about the endocrine system here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with nurse practitioner Wendy Nielsen. And, Wendy, we were going to pick up talking about the endocrine system. You happen to feel that that's very important, but what is it? Uh, the endocrine system is a system of glands in the body that produce and secrete hormones. Um, the endocrine system regulates body's growth, the metabolism, sexual development, and most metabolic functions. 
what are hormones in general, and what are the type of hormones that we worry about most with teenage girls and boys? Um, Hormones are basically chemical messengers in the body. They transfer information from one set of cells to another and coordinate the functions of different parts of the body in a feedback type of mechanism. And the kind of hormones that we worry most about with teenage girls and boys, well, probably first and foremost would be uh, thyroid. The thyroid gland is uh, probably the second most important gland in the body. Um, The pituitary, of course, is is the master gland. Um, Ovarian function and testicular function is very important. The adrenal glands are very important. All of those regulate all of the hormones uh, in the body, um, especially with, with, with females in the teenage years. If they're having major problems with their periods, then those kind of issues need to be addressed. Okay. So when we're talking about something like the testes or um, the pituitary, are those glands or hormones or, or organs or what? Oh, okay. The, the pituitary and the thyroid, the adrenal glands, the ovaries, are the receptive organs that receive messengers uh, from the pituitary or the adrenal glands to secrete a certain hormone. So they are the target of a messenger hormone to release a certain uh, hormone creating a uh, feedback mechanism in the body. Okay, then we hear about things like testosterone or um, progesterone. Uh-huh. What's that class of things? Oh, those, okay, those are hormones, and those are the hormones that are released from those target organs. And uh, all people have testosterone, estrogen, um, and also... Uh, DHEA. Um, all men have estrogen. All women have testosterone. The difference is in the balance. Um, if we have, there's three different kinds of estrogen. There's estriol, estradiol, and estrone. And the mix of those is very important. Uh, testosterone, if it becomes unbalanced uh, in a young woman especially, this can contribute to something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which can cause infertility in later life and put her at risk for cancer um, later on. Uh, it can also cause a great deal of, of uh, turmoil in her life in that it can cause uh, emotional outbursts, anger that she doesn't know where it's coming from. I liken it to having a small amount of Sylvester Stallone in a female body. <laughs> Uh, acne, hair growth, um, and very painful or very absent periods, one or the other or both. And so those problems are sometimes uh, dismissed as, well, that's just the way my body is. But that truth and fact, there is no reason for a young woman to suffer with that kind of uh, problems when there are uh, remedies that can be done to help her. How? How do the hormones become imbalanced in general? Uh, is having too much testosterone a function of being toxic or something in a teenage girl? Um, that's uh, a question that if we could answer, we would uh, 
we would have a Nobel laureate, I'm sure, um, that that can be a function of that. It's, I think that there's a, a pretty good research to indicate that it's genetically driven, and so knowing a family's history uh, and the constellation of different medications, different disease processes or disorders that have been in that particular family is important to identify so that we can establish uh, where, where and what this might be. Um, everyone is born with about 16 deleterious genes. Some of them are more obvious than others, but some of them are metabolic disorders or just a little tweaking that is needed in order to correct something. Uh, others are, you know, have much more obvious uh, uh, challenges in their genes. Okay, so are there any special considerations when we talk about hormone imbalances in teenage girls who also have an autism diagnosis? Yes. Um, autism is sometimes thought to be related to uh, having a folate deficiency, although I'm sure that that research is, is uh, preliminary at best. Um, uh, others uh, suggest that there might have been an overexpression of testosterone uh, exposure in utero. Um, those things uh, I, I can't really address, um, but I, I would suggest that because um, girls on the spectrum are very sensitive to many different things, including medications, and also um, their internal chemistry is different, uh, a little bit more challenging. They are probably a little bit more at risk for having dysmenorrhea or some kind of uh, hormonal imbalance. And what's the relationship between hormones and neurotransmitters? Uh, well, basically, hormones are what stimulate uh, a neurotransmitter uh, to express itself. And when, for instance, um, progesterone is probably the compound that uh, causes a, a, a somnolence. It's an anti-anxiety hormone. Uh, progesterone is our, what I call the mother hormone. It's the, the safety feeling that we feel. We feel uh, well, at ease. We have calm. We have less anxiety. Uh, people that present with palpitations, irritability, inability to sleep, they get to sleep, but they wake back up at 2 or 3 in the morning. They can't get back to sleep. Um, they have fitful sleep, or they wake up early um, and, and feel very tired. Um, people that have a lot of headaches, people that have dysmenorrhea or PMS, or dysphoric mood during their premenstrual time and during, those kind of issues present with uh, typically progesterone deficiency. And deficiency in progesterone, like I said, is usually a deficiency in GABA, which is your anti-anxiety neurotransmitter in the brain. Um, GABA is what gives you your feeling of, like I said, calm, um, being able to get into your Zen moment, if you will, um, being able to feel uh, well at, and at ease in the world. Um, when we don't have enough GABA, we are like a cat on a hot tin roof. Oh, goodness. Where do I get some of this progesterone and GABA? I want to mix it with cola. <laughs> goodness, okay. Uh, what? I know that you use bioidentical hormones. Let's yes. get into the remediation of this 
syndrome. What are the unique benefits of bioidentical hormones? That's an area of great passion for me. Um, bioidentical hormones are just exactly what the word says. They are bioidentical. They have the exact same chemical structure as what is found in your own body's hormones, and they are made from plant stenols rather than synthesized in a uh, pharmaceutical laboratory. Uh, they have the exact same chemical structure, so your body knows exactly what to do with it and is able to utilize it as if it was your very own body's hormone. Okay. Are there ever any situations where you shouldn't use bioidentical hormones or other hormone therapy? Um, yes. Um, I treat quite a few perimenopausal or menopausal women um, and also teenage girls that have uh, issues with menses, and one of the things that I I never utilize bioidentical hormones for is if there is a strong history of female cancer in the family that's estrogen dominant uh, or HERS positive. Uh, even though the research indicates that there's not a, a great chance of having cancer develop because of the fact that the bioidenticals are identical to the body structure, there is a small chance that it can start to uh, cause a uh, inflammatory response, which would result in a cancer. So I shy away from using anything like a hormone when there is a strong family history of cancer. Okay. And I, I happen to believe that there are cancers that can be um, added to or caused by toxicity factors. So if there is to toxicity in the mix, if the body has some sort of a toxic burden, mm -hmm. um, does that affect the functioning of the use, uh, functioning or the use, excuse me, of bioidentical hormones? Oh, absolutely. In fact, whenever I utilize uh, hormones, um, whether it be uh, uh, progesterone or, or biased, which is two combinations of, of estrogen, I always recommend uh, not only some uh, healthy food changes, but lifestyle changes and also to do a cleanse so that we can cleanse the liver and the colon of a toxin, toxic burden that it might have. Uh, I would venture to say that 50% of Americans have fatty livers, which is uh, pretty much due to uh, dietary intake and toxic burden. Okay. I just put down my bag of chips. Okay, what other <laughs> natural measures help optimal hormone functioning? I'm sorry, can you repeat that question? Are there some other natural measures that help optimal hormone functioning? You've mentioned dietary. Oh, yes. Um, well, like I said, taking a glance at your lifestyle and seeing where you might make a little change. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you are addicted uh, or habituated to caffeinated beverages, perhaps try to change that out and uh, drink a little extra water with some lemon in it or put a little lime in it. Try to make a trajectory change where you're getting to bed just a half an hour earlier each, each week. Uh, try to take a walk. Try to start taking that multivitamin that, that you've been neglecting. Try to add a few extra greens. Maybe get some, a juicer and start to do some juicing. Uh, just making small changes will start the uh, engine rolling down the track, and who knows, you might come up to optimal wellness and feel 
terrific. That's the wonderful thing about wellness is once you start feeling better, it has a self-promulgating effect where you'll want to do more. Yeah, and I find that if you uh, take your probiotics Mm -hmm. and you take your digestive enzymes Mm -hmm. and you take your green supplements and you take your vitamin D3, Um, 5,000 international units a day. And you, you take your vitamin C and you take all of these with water, you're, you get full. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the water helps. First of all, the water is good for you. Absolutely. And secondly, it helps you feel full so that you're not wanting to, uh, to snack as much on the, the junk food and you have your green drinks and they have fiber and, you're right. It is a, a more healthful, self-perpetuating cycle. We will be right back here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Nurse Practitioner Wendy Nielsen, and we'll be talking about um, a real-life case example of Wendy helping a young lady on the spectrum. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Are you living your vital life? One that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential, with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Terry. 
We're back with Wendy Nielsen, a nurse practitioner, and we've been talking about the endocrine system and hormones, and now we're going to turn our attention to talking about a real-life situation, and um, a mom named Karen is kindly allowing us to talk about how you helped her teenage daughter on the spectrum, and we'll call her daughter Sarah. So, Wendy, how did you assess Sarah, did you concentrate on the autism diagnosis, or how did you discern what tests to do? Uh, yes, I, I met Sarah a, a couple of months ago. Um, she was accompanied by her mom, and um, her mom had actually had some lab work done by a former doctor and had brought that with her, which was very helpful for me to see what had been done. Then I took a family history and did an exam. Uh, after that, I ordered my own lab test and, and fleshed out some of the spots that I needed to fill in to get a more dif- differential diagnosis. Um, a- after the exam, I was able to feel a very full thyroid and inquired whether there had been hypothyroid problems in the family or if anyone had ever been told they had a goiter. And those are important questions to ask because hypothyroidism can be a familial trait. Uh, Then I I asked uh, mom a a bunch of other questions in regards to her eating habits and sleeping and any issues that she had in regards to uh, her menses or uh, using the restroom or anything of that nature. Okay, because the young lady isn't able to verbalize that herself? Correct. I did involve Sarah as much as I could and uh, asked her questions as well, just so she knew that I was uh, addressing those questions to her. And um, I think that's very important for her to know that that I'm uh, her provider and I'm not just talking about her, but I'm talking with her. And then Karen was able to uh, fill in the information for us. Okay, you mentioned um, the parent history. You alluded to that. To that, how important is the parent or patient history? I know Karen was very impressed with how you actually listened to what she was saying. Oh, I I feel that uh, that's very important. I was told by my mentor years ago that if you'll listen to the patient and their their medical complaint and accompanied by their medical history their family history, that you'll basically be able to be led right to the diagnosis and be able to help them. If you go in there with a preconceived idea as to what the problem is, uh, even if the symptoms present in a clear-cut fashion, if you're not listening, you'll miss it. So I try very hard to listen to uh, what the patient is telling me in regards to what they think the problem is and what their family history is. You mentioned to Wendy the term differential diagnosis. What does that mean? That means that uh, you're trying to narrow it down as to what the real diagnosis is. Like I said, sometimes a, a symptom will present as what you think it is, already have a preconceived idea, but after further investigation or more lab tests, you'll find out that that was just a uh, symptom of a bigger problem. So a differential diagnosis is trying to make a choice, is it this or perhaps is it really this? So lots of things can overlap, and you need to be able to tease those out. 
Right. And I know, too, that uh, it's important to look as the, at the body as a whole, again, holistic, instead of just focusing on one part of the body uh, and not regarding it as a comprehensive whole. I mean, if there's tingling in your toe, do you go to a toe specialist and they say it's a toe problem? Uh, or does that come from someplace else and how does that fit in with all of the other symptoms that uh, a person is presenting? Very good point. Uh, oftentimes when I see uh, repeated fungal infections or even yeast infections uh, in a man or woman, I will oftentimes do a workup for metabolic syndrome or prediabetes because those types of infections are comorbid with uh, a diabetic state. Oh, good point. All right, now you said you felt her thyroid? You felt the, a fat thyroid? or Yes, I, I was able to palpate an, an enlarged thyroid and, in fact, uh, sent her for um, further workup. I, I reviewed that chart just yesterday to see that the uh, specialist indicated that it was four times the size of a normal thyroid. So I always uh, always feel more confidence when I'm able to be uh, given the high five by a specialist. Right, when like the clinical symptoms match the lab symptoms and stuff? Yes, correct, correct. Okay. How could anybody else possibly miss a thyroid that was that enlarged? Is that some people don't even think of it and don't even feel it or don't touch the patient? Correct. Some, that is actually uh, very true. Um, unfortunately, uh, one of the big sadnesses in, in the medical profession is that we are uh, driven by uh, third-party reimbursers, and because of that schedule of needing to see a patient every 15 minutes, uh, by necessity, some providers have taken a lot of shortcuts that unfortunately uh, put the patient somewhat at a disadvantage um, because we aren't given enough time to uh, properly assess a patient. But I think it's important that we not shortcut it to the point where we are compromising uh, the care that our patient needs. And they, they would not have come to you had they not had a need. Yeah, really. Or if shortcuts are taken, then something could be prescribed that's inappropriate or things that are appropriate aren't prescribed. So Exactly. Okay, so and I understand that you picked, with Sarah's case, I understand that you picked up hypoglycemia, the thyroid issues, blood pressure issues, and a heart murmur. How did you tease these things out? Yeah, uh, well, to start at the back, uh, heart murmurs are fairly common in the teenage population. Um, the problem is that they they can't be dismissed. Um, you can hear a heart murmur quite easily if you're if you're familiar with what a heart murmur sounds like. But the problem is, is if they radiate to the carotid arteries, if you hear a brewy, it's called a brewy, uh, up in the carotids, or if you're having symptoms that would be untoward, such as uh, exercise intolerance or shortness of breath, headaches, and things like that, which would then necessitate a pediatric cardiology workup. Um, but we, we uh, term murmurs that we identify in the adolescent population as functional murmurs, and about 40% of the adolescent population has them, and they do outgrow them. 
So that was uh, an incidental finding at that point. The, uh, this, the thyroid, like I mentioned, was easily palpable. And um, uh, then you, you decide to do some lab tests based on your exam as well as your medical history that you've gleaned and family history. I always do, um, if there's any suggestion whatsoever of autoimmune disease, I always do an ANA with a reflex which will tell me um, if there's any inherited conditions that might be autoimmune, such as uh, scleroderma, um, rheumatoid arthritis, a connective tissue disorder, uh, those lupus, lupus lookalikes, those kind of things need to be identified right off the bat so that we can address those uh, post-haste if they become, if they're positive. Otherwise, a thyroid disorder can easily be determined um, by a lab test. But my, may I make a mention here, the most lab tests are, that are ordered in main, mainstream um, allopathic medicine is a TSH with a reflex to T4. What that means is a thyroid-stimulating hormone, and if it is aberrant, it will reflex to a T4, which is one of the thyroid hormones produced by the thyroid. Unfortunately, if that is the only test that is ordered, you oftentimes will miss by about 60% a thyroid disorder, which are much more common than what has normally been thought in the population, especially in women. Um, the, the, what's needed to be ordered is a free T3, a free T4, a TPO antibody to see if it's Hashimoto's thyroiditis, as well as a TSH. Then you have the whole composite to be able to determine not only is the thyroid being innervated to release the thyroid hormone, but is it actually found in the body in its free form. The only hormone that's necessary to be measured is the free or bioactive hormone from in, a, in the body. If you were to just measure the total, that would be like me going into your pantry and saying, how much food do you have and how much, how, or how, how much food are you eating and going into your pantry and assessing that you have a full pantry so you must be in good shape. That doesn't tell me that you're eating the food. It just <laughs> tells me that you have the food. Do you see the difference? Yeah, good point. Yeah. So a lot of, I'm afraid that a lot of thyroid gets missed because of the fact that we don't take that extra step to look at what is the free hormone in the body. Really, really good points, uh, Wendy. We are going to take a break at this point, and when we come back, we will be talking just a little bit more about hormones, and then we'll move on to essential oils here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymatica. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on 
on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. I'm back with nurse practitioner Wendy Nielsen, and right before the break, Wendy made some really important points about appropriate thyroid testing. And um, if you missed that, please go back and listen to the archive. This show will be archived. Wendy, one more question about hormones before we move on to essential oils. Is there a difference in the use of hormones throughout the lifespan? Yes, uh, unless there is a imbalance in a young woman, typically she will not need to have any uh, supplementation for estrogen until the change or menopause. Um, after menopause, uh, typically it's a progesterone deficiency that causes what we call the vasoactive symptoms of menopause, uh, hot flashes, night sweats, irritability, palpitations, anxiety, and that kind of thing. However, for bone protective, heart protective, and brain protective, we need to probably interject a little bit of bias, but that needs to be measured, and my mantra in that area is to identify, analyze, and correct. I don't believe in just doing a knee-jerk reaction and prescribing uh, one fit, size fits all. I, I always use compounding pharmacies, uh, one in particular uh, here in Mesa that is most excellent, uh, where a recipe, if you will, will be written up by me according to the diagnostic test that I've run to determine what exactly the deficiency is. Yeah, and you know, I guess we really should also mention how you helped Sarah insofar as hormones were concerned. Uh, yes, uh, I felt after I did some testing, uh, Sarah had a very high testosterone level and also, I believe, a DHEAS, which is the precursor to testosterone. This in and of itself can cause, like I stated before, uh, problems with mood, lability, and especially in a uh, child on the spectrum, these kind of things can interfere with sleep as well as uh, just acting out in general. So progesterone, like I said before, is a natural anti-anxiety hormone, and because she was deficient and high in testosterone, we interjected a application of cream, uh, which he puts on nightly, her mom puts on nightly, 
before she goes to bed, and uh, this has affected her very nicely. I understand from Karen that she started sleeping uh, much better within just a few nights, which is very typical. Sometimes when I prescribe progesterone for a woman that's going through the change, she'll tell me that within three or four nights she'll have slept through the whole night, which she hasn't done in a year or more. So a small little natural change in uh, a hormone can affect uh, the quality of life quite a bit. Uh, and maybe this is a naive question, but can that progesterone cream help boys who are having boys on the spectrum who are having sleep issues? Yes, I believe it can. Uh, they need to be monitored a little bit more carefully because sometimes progesterone can convert to estrogen, and we don't want that. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about essential oils. Okay. What are they? Uh, essential oils are basically the volatile liquids that are distilled from plants. Uh, they're extremely concentrated. Um, and extremely therapeutic. Uh, they basically regenerate and oxygenate the cells. They have terrific immune strengthening properties um, in the body. And the, the key point about essential oils are they are so small in molecular size that they can penetrate the skin as well as uh, pass through the blood-brain barrier. So basically... An effect can be felt within about 20 minutes from an application of an essential oil. Uh, it then is metabolized and affects all the systems of the body. Okay, so the, are they ingested, inhaled, and applied transdermally? Yes, all of the above. Um, not all can be ingested. Not not all should be inhaled. Uh, and then app- applying transdermally with some of the what we call hotter oils, needs to happen with a carrier oil, such as coconut oil, so that it will dissipate the effect of the uh, heat. And when I say heat, I mean something like cinnamon, uh, so that it doesn't be an ir- won't be an irritant to the skin. Okay. How, how do things that we smell affect us? What's the mechanism by which it works? Uh, well, to use a an untoward example, if you want to get something quickly uh, assimilated into the body, the nasal cavity and or sublingual or rectal are the most efficacious ways to affect a quick and thorough change, uh, i.e., when, um, like I said, an untoward example would be if you were to snort something, uh, it's going to have an immediate effect. Um, so we, but but basically, aromatherapy by just distilling something in a uh, a distiller, a vaporizer, um, can have a systemic effect within just minutes. Uh, if you if you walk into a room and something has been sprayed, it's not very long before you start to feel the effects of that. And the beautiful thing about essential oils is they're not just aromatic and smell good like a perfume would or something like that, but they actually have a therapeutic basis in the body. And the thing that I love about them is that there is medical research, this goes back to my allopathic training, that substantiates the efficacy of essential oils. Vanderbilt Medical Center uh, ER actually diffuse something called on guard which is a viral a vi- virus and bacteria 
static and, and cytal, bactericidal uh, essential oils in a diffuser in the ER, and they noticed that there was a, a sizable decrease in respiratory infection in that uh, winter season uh, while the time that they used the diffuser in their ER. Um, actually, I've, I've spoke, spoken with a friend that, uh, that knows an anesthesiologist here in Mesa that uses it in his anesthesia, bringing people up out of uh, surgery to dissipate the effect of nausea uh, post-surgery. Um, and those are wonderful things to be able to interface holistic medicine with uh, our, our traditional medicine. Wow. That is very, very cool. So uh, when you are seeing uh, individuals, when would you use essential oils and what are the results that you've been seeing? And have you used these with any kids on the spectrum? Yes. Um, I know that Karen uses lavender uh, on Sarah's feet uh, in the evening, I believe, to uh, help her relax. I know many know, I know many people that use uh, lavender as a anxiolytic or something to decrease anxiety, um, an application of something like clary sage over the thyroid will help to uh, eradicate or, and I'm not going to say eradicate, but to slow any thyroid disorders. Um, uh, there, yin yang, which is one that's a, a balancing hormone, uh, sorry, a balancing uh, essential oil will help with balancing hormones in the body. Uh, peppermint is energizing. Uh, there's, there's something for everyone. The ones that I love the most are the ones that are most uh, workable in, in an everyday application in most people's lives. But uh, essential oils have been around for thousands and thousands of years and have wonderful opportunities to help us uh, heal our bodies in a very uh, holistic way. That's lovely. Well, Wendy, what is your most important take-home message to parents? As always, my most important message to all of my uh, patients and uh, friends, which I consider them all to be, is become aware. Talk to your trusted health professionals. Do your research but most of all, listen to your body. It talks to you. It will tell you what's wrong. And uh, follow, its, follow its lead, and uh, that will lead you to better health. Very nice. Well, Wendy, thank you for sharing your perspective with listeners today. You're certainly welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And to our listeners, my guest next week, August 23rd, is Jerry Williams, who will talk about her children as mitochondrial myopathies, thriving beyond expectations due to using hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and she has some exciting up-to-the-minute results to share. Please look for Jerry's article as well as articles by Dr. Richard Fry, Dr. Dan Rosignol, Dr. James Newbrander, and more in the latest issue of Autism Science Digest magazine. Subscription information is on the Autism One website at www.autismone.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.